unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Mr. Christopher Rausch, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, we have an amazing show in store for you tonight. We have a special guest that's going to be joining us here in just a minute. But uh, as we always do, we have to say hello, hello to our uh, Misfits for Life. Uh, Kick-ass Larry, what's going on, Rockstar? Thank you so much, brother, for being here. Um, you are fabulous. I hope you're doing fantastic. Uh, look at this. What's going on? Kellen Ann is already in the house. What's up? She says, just in time to see the amazing Christopher Roush. Well, he's going to be here in just a minute, but right now I'm going to go have to do because I'm his brother, his twin brother. Robert Brooker's in the house. What's up, Robert? Good to see you. Good evening. Happy Tuesday. Is it Taco Tuesday? Anybody having tacos? Is anybody having tacos on Ron and Scripted Taco Tuesday? That's what we should do. We should we should do that. We should totally have Ron and Scripted Taco Tuesdays. And we 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 here and we have uh, dinner with our guests. Yeah, we could do a Zoom multiple camera angle kind of thing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just getting kind of carried away. I'm just getting carried, carried away. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for being here. Uh, whether you're here live with us every Tuesday night at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're catching this on the replay, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And as always, please engage with us. Ask us questions of both myself and, of course, my uh, guest. You're going to want to pick their brain and walk away from this opportunity with notes, with at least three tangible tasks that you can do, uh, that you could put into play starting tomorrow. That's really the emphasis and the focus on this is that you walk away with a mindset shift that is enabling you to go ahead and look at things a little bit differently, even starting tonight or even but better yet tomorrow. That's what we want you to do. We want you to focus on those things. So um, yeah, as Robert says, uh, says uh, tacos, some of those would be uh, would go down well. Absolutely. I've, I've got literally, to be honest with you guys, my dinner was going to be ready before, but then something happened. We have a problem with our refrigerator. Fun stuff. Um, but I could smell my dinner wafting up in here and I'm like... <sighs> I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. But you know what I'm hungry for? I'm hungry for knowledge. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm hungry for knowledge. And tonight, my guest, I have had the opportunity of knowing Mr. Jim Gardner for, geez, uh, I'm bad at time. So I'm going to say 2013. So that's seven, eight years, eight years might as well be a lifetime because the conversations that Jim and I have had over the years, both in person when we were uh, going to events and speaking together, and then also the conversations that we've had on Facebook and also on the phone and Zoom have really just been so inspiring. It's, it's so great to talk to somebody who is level headed, who is intelligent, who also has a sense of humor and also really sees the deeper meaning of what it means to find the root cause of a problem. And I'm happy to dive down into the, into the rabbit hole with uh, Mr. Jim Gardner tonight and then have those conversations. This is really about mindset. This is, I, I titled this called adapting an adaptive training foundation is something we're going to be talking about tonight. So stay tuned for that. Cause that's going to really just kind of expand your mind on what it is that we're going to initially talk about. But again, it's about mindset. It's about shifting your perspective about your past, present, and your future. It's about shifting your perspective about the way you're visioning life happening for you or life happening to you. So it's with my extreme honor that I get to add to this particular show. Mr. Jim Gardner, Jim, how are you doing this evening, brother? I am doing awesome this evening, Chris. I am honored to uh, join you here this evening. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, one thing before I forget, based on what you mentioned uh, to your tribe here, those three things, pick one thing that you're most excited about tonight and think about that because that's what your subconscious will marinate on for tomorrow. 
and you'll mm -hmm. wake up and you'll immediately think about that one thing that you're most excited about knocking off your list. Have you been talking a lot? You were like trying to do the sultry, sexy bedroom voice. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you. I took up smoking, right? You took up smoking and you didn't invite me? <laughs> what are you smoking? You smoking uh, kielbaskas? You smoking some steaks? You smoking chicken? What are you smoking? I, I wish. I wish. No, I'm here in Texas, the uh, allergy capital of the world. So uh, <clears throat> we've been going through a little bit of a change. Y'all probably heard about the fun cold weather we had about three weeks ago. And so now oh. everything's blooming out and uh, this is the result. So it doesn't <laughs> hurt. just sounds a little froggy. Well, it will just, we'll just call it Jim Gardner's sexy bedtime voice as we talk about, you know, <laughs> mindset and how we can adapt to changing environments. And speaking of changing environments, um, you know, obviously over the last year, literally now here in March, the last year, uh, as of the airing of this particular show, we've been going through the, the obviously COVID-19 pandemic that has been, you know, just, uh, striking every part of the world and thinking about change and thinking about adaptability. That's why I really wanted to get you on the show, Jim, is that in this particular time, I have seen so many people pivot and adapt to the change and, and harness whatever technology and opportunities they have to, to grow and expand and to change whatever it is that wasn't working for them. And I've seen people absolutely just turn around and go and try to go back to the way things were, which obviously there's no way to go back to anything. What has been your experience during COVID and coaching people and leading people and working with individuals over this period of time? What is your, what is your overall frame of reference on how people adapt to change, especially with uh, what we've had with the pandemic? Well, it's, it's been a mix, Chris, and, and I would even add a third component. I think there are those who want to go back. There are those who are kind of frozen in place, which is kind of the, you know, the, uh, the third piece. But then there are those who recognize a challenge as opportunity. And <clears throat> so it's looking at some of those challenges, doing things differently. And, you know, how, how can I, as an example, how can I, you know, be more uh creative how can i be you know more of an investigator about my own life about you know my surroundings about what it is that i've become probably too familiar with and so how can i step outside of that uh and and really take advantage instead of just uh wanting to go back to the the old days the the way it used to be remember when uh, those kinds of things. So, you know, for, for me uh, as a performance coach and working with C-level executives and, you know, helping to lead some, um, some corporate uh, initiatives, those kinds of things, as well as even with professional athletes, um, I was busier last year than I've been in my whole career. And I was really surprised by that. But it's, it was a matter of clients coming to me and them being in a bit of a quandary, most of them wanting to adapt and make change, but having to do so so quickly uh, was, was really the challenge. And so, you know, trying to help them, you know, look at what it, what's the circumstance, what is your vision uh, that you want to have ultimately, what's your intention, and then starting to lay some step stones that allow you to proceed through that and recognizing that there are going to be more challenges than there might have been in, let's say, normal times. But again, looking at those challenges as ways to do things differently. So, um, you know, one of the big things, for example, with my CEO clients, um, you know, I'll just pick one randomly, uh, fairly new company, 
uh, had built from basically zero a year and a half, well, two and a half years ago now, uh, to 325 employees. And now within a matter of a week, have to send everybody home. How do you do that? Ooh. And so there are all kinds of logistics issues. This happened to be a health related organization. So you have things that you wouldn't even think about, for example, um, with HIPAA laws. And, you know, people might not think about this, but uh, if you are someone who has access to that information, to even share it in a phone conversation that can be overheard by someone else. So if you're in your home, that's a problem. So how do you, you know, how do you work through things like that? And so, you know, it, it, it was a matter of just looking at each of those, breaking them down and identifying um, how you maintain leadership in, in going through that and recognizing that nobody really had the answers, but it's being creative and curious about how we're going to get through it because, you know, we can go crawl under a rock uh, and hope that it all goes away, uh, which, you know, I think to a degree happened for the first couple of months. But then when it was obvious that it wasn't going to go away, then we, we've got to navigate through this and really, uh, you know, try to identify the opportunities. Um, another example with my professional athletes, you know, depending on their sport, what do we do? How do we stay sharp mentally? How do we work out? Now we can't go to our facility. We can't go to a gym. And so even working with them about really getting curious and creative about what it is that they can do to keep both uh, their mental and physical um, attributes sharp. So, uh, so where do you start out with Jim? And when I think about that, I think about going back into the recesses of mine, my mind and what I've helped people do during this period. And I found more often than not, and Tony Robbins talks about it, you know, we do things for one of two reasons to gain pleasure or to avoid pain. And so I immediately go into the situation when I'm trying to figure out how I can get somebody to change their perspective about their current situation and not be a victim anymore to be that victor. I look at it as a way to shift their, the way they're perceiving their, their situation. How do you get that? How do you get that with, with your clients? and being able to shift whether or not they're trying to gain pleasure or to avoid pain. How do you get them to start realizing that it's time to take action versus when they get in their comfort zone or they get in their excuses? Talk to us about that. Sure. Well, my whole co coaching methodology is about the process, not about the outcome. And so even working with athletes, it's really changing that, that mental dynamic that they've been conditioned for for so long. The, tr the same is really true for executives. Um, so it's about learning to enjoy the process of preparation and practice and appreciating those little wins and being fulfilled by those because you can more quickly see your progress. And when you make a mistake, it's easier to recover with that type of mindset and try something a little bit different, you know, tweak it, whatever the case may be. But if we're always going for the touchdown, and the touch, you know, the goalposts just seem to keep moving further and further away by what's going on environmentally, then that's when we become frustrated, um, you know, start to kind of curl up and, and you know, try and find that rock, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so it's kind of a natural thing based on what I work with my clients on anyway, but it was really just getting even more specific. So, you know, again, what are what I call kind of the micro habits that we now need to start to incorporate as far as the process goes. 
And <clears throat> when you don't have access to the things that you're accustomed to, what can you use to, you know, basically do the same thing, but do it in a different way? So, mm -hmm. you know, if it's to build your biceps, for example, or to, um, you know, gain additional aerobic capacity, then whatever you were doing, you've probably just done it because that's the way you've always done it. Well, now is the opportunity to become even better, to become stronger, because we're kind of forced into a situation to find new ways. And so what I found with my clients, once I presented it that way, was they were eager to jump in and really try something new and develop some new processes and new habits. And what they found over the course of this past year was that the outcomes became even better than they would have otherwise. Mm, I love that. Talk to us a little bit more about that and dig into the fact of what, what are some of the excuses that you were faced with last year? Because I got, you know, I don't have time. I don't know how to do this. I've never been faced. Lots of different excuses. What are some of the main excuses you got and what were the ways that you overcame those with your clients? Well, you know, typically it's always, I don't have time. That's, that's the biggest thing. And even back when I was in the corporate world, you know, before I started coaching 11 years ago now, time flies. Um, but, um, uh, it, it was a matter of setting some boundaries. Chris, are we still there? Hello? Yeah, you're still here. I just put okay. you on full screen because you were saying oh. something intelligent. <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to make sure. No, I just uh, left. I just decided like it's Jim's show now. It's just hey, the gym show right now. I was going to go get some dinner and take a shower. So you just hey, go ahead and just, you just keep man. riffing. I'll, I'll try and try, try and keep things moving. No, but um, it's setting boundaries. So as an example, with my corporate uh, clients, I would say, show me your calendar. And, you know, as would be assumed to be typical, the entire day, sometimes 12, 14 hours was back to back to back meetings. And so I would literally go meeting by meeting. What is the intended outcome of this meeting? I, you know, I really don't know. Well, why are you going? <laughs> well, because I'm expected to be there. By who? Um, well, by my peers, by my boss, whatever. And so teaching them that if they can't ask the question, even as an executive, what, you know, what is the intended outcome here? Not the agenda, but what is it? What's the problem? What's the challenge? Um, what, do, what is it that we're trying to, uh, you know, accomplish here? then don't go to the meeting because it's wasting your time. The other thing that I've, that I've taught my clients as well as uh, some of my, my corporate uh, clients is you've always been conditioned to set meetings for an hour. It's an absolute waste of time. Mm -hmm. So from this day forward, every meeting is going to be 45 minutes, period. And each meeting ends in 40 minutes. You have five minutes to wrap up. Those are absolute non-negotiable boundaries. And so this, the same is true even for my athletes. And you go to practice and just looking at how much time is wasted standing around, basically doing nothing. <clears throat> so when you start to lay it out in that context and in those terms, it's like the light bulbs just go off in their heads. It's like, this. why have I been doing this all this time and wasting so much time? And it's, easy, it's an easy sell 
to the other people that they work with or that work for them um, because it's so obvious. And so what that does, if you think about it, let's just say you have an eight hour day and you attended meetings for those eight hours, but it was only for 45 minutes. You just gained two hours, right? So what is it that you can do in those two hours? You can do rest and recovery, um, being what I call transition time. So if I have one topic that I'm addressing or one group that I'm addressing in this particular venue, then I have 15 minutes to really pause and think and what is it that I have as the intended outcome for the next meeting. Or I can go grab some dinner. Um, or I can meditate, or I can throw down and do 50 push-ups, or what have you. And so, it's just, again, that's an example of really the processes as opposed to the outcomes. And what they all start to see is that they're getting wins all throughout the day, whereas before, at the end of the day, I'm worn out, I'm wasted, and I didn't accomplish crap. Mm -hmm. 14 hours of my life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? What you're talking about, Jim, is what something I was actually just helping a, a client through um, a couple of weeks ago is I said, let's make it because she was talking about the same thing time, time, time. And I said, okay, let's take a look at what we're tolerating. And she's like, what do you mean what I'm tolerating? I don't have time to tolerate stuff. And I said, well, we're going to do a little bit of an exercise. We're going to have you write down as you go through the week, the things that you're tolerating both professionally and personally, and take a look at that. And so we did the exercise. She came back in a week and she had like 10 things and eight things. And I'm like, go back and do it another week. I said, I want you to really look at and examine what you're tolerating, what's causing you to pause and you have to pick up for somebody else or what it is that you're prioritizing your focus on. And let's look at that. She came back with like 30 things. She goes, I didn't realize how much my attention was focused on the things that really don't matter. And I said, let's talk about what are the big three that we can take away that will maximize your opportunity to focus on the things that really matter. And so she picked those three things next week. Boom, boom, boom. She's like, oh my God. She goes, I'm really realizing that I can, that I can, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls out there in TV land, that I can take responsibility for my time and how I allocate it. And to be able to have those conversations, like you're saying, Jim, uh, what is the intention? I love that you're focusing on that. What is the intention? I start with that so much throughout my day. What my first thing in the morning before my eyes wake, before my eyes wake up, for my eyes wake up, for my eyes open, for my eyes wake up. Um, as I say what I'm intending for that day, I say what my intentions are. Some of them are repetitive. And so there's a formula there for success. Talk to us about, you know, why, why is it that when we talk about change and adaptability, why does it always come up to fear? And talk to us about the fear that's wrapped up in that change. Talk to us about how we, how we overcome that fear and, and change our perspective about it. Well, so to overcome anything that you may you know, be resistant to, whether it's fear, um, you know, whatever, uh, just requires stepping into it. And so sometimes, and I think that's where, you know, people like you and I, as coaches, can, you know, kind of metaphorically hold somebody's hand to, you know, stick that first toe in the water, so to speak. <clears throat> and so that's what I do with my clients anyway, is just kind of lead them into it. Um, because if, if you try and throw somebody into a fire, then it's overwhelming. And, and I mean the fire metaphor, metaphorically as well, but any kind of significant change seems overwhelming. It seems um, that, that that's where fear really does develop. And I don't believe um, even in working with 
um, you know, Navy SEALs and Green Berets and so on that we'll talk about in a little while, um, that you can overcome fear. You learn how to manage fear, put it in its place. And so, you know, from that standpoint, it's just a matter of identifying specifically what is my intention that I want to overcome? And then what is the first baby step to get into that? And I don't believe that you can replace bad habits. I, I believe that you incorporate a new habit that ultimately will push out bad habits. And because you start to, again, um, feel, you know, the, the, the satisfaction and the fulfillment of uh, the progress in the process that you gain from those new habits. Now, how do you identify what those are? And Chris, I don't, I don't remember when you and I talked last, if I talked about or asked you the question, how many days are in 24 hours? Did we talk about that? <laughs> no, but I would, yeah. How many days are in 24 hours? Everybody seems to think there's a week in 24 hours. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but most people obviously would say, well, there's one day in 24 hours. What if there were six days in 24 hours? You have my attention. Okay. So obviously with those 24 divided by six, each day is four hours long. And going back to what I said a moment ago, <clears throat> looking at things that are chewable chunks, you can't eat an elephant all in one bite as we've heard so many times. <clears throat> and things that are too large are overwhelming. So we are resistant to those. We don't step into those, we avoid them. So, and you know, oftentimes our day gets to be just so monotonous, so routine that that in and of itself becomes overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So for me, I wake up at 5 a.m. So my day one is from 5 a.m. till 9 a.m. And I have developed a set of habits that I call a ritual for day one. So I wake up, I won't go into all the details, but I wake up, um, I, the first thing I actually do is a little bit of meditation and, and for me, a little bit of prayer and so on. Um, then I hydrate, then I take care of my three dogs. Um, and after that, I, I'm fortunate to where I have my own gym right next to my office here in the house. And so I work out as part of that, but I have this whole ritual that I go through now. It's not, you know, it's not surgical. There are times when I have to travel. There are times when, you know, I'm not feeling well or whatever the case may be, but that ritual is basically something that is a structure that is very easy for me to come back to, even if I miss a handful of days and, and to jump back into that. But if I don't have that structure, then it's like, you know, that's why people, you know, don't go back to whatever their nutrition program might have been or, you know, their workout in the gym or whatever, uh, because it seems too overwhelming because mm -hmm. it's unstructured. So, so that's kind of my general day one. And again, those are non-negotiable boundaries. My phone is not available. Uh, I don't look at social media and 
one of the things that I share with my clients is teach people how to work with you so that you can be most effective for them. Yes. And where they might want to be able to contact you, um, you know, let's say, you know, I'm in central time zone, but let's say they want to contact me at 8 a.m. Well, that's an hour before my day two starts, which is my work day at 9 a.m. It's non-negotiable. I don't do it. Nice. And I explain to them why. So they know that I will be available at 9 o'clock. And so that way they don't get all fired up and agitated and whatever if they don't get a response from me because I've taught them how to work with me so that they get my full attention um, when I am available for them. So now the other thing is that at 8.30, still I'm within my boundary. That's when I start looking at day one and day two, which is the majority of my work day. And so what are the things that I have coming up? Has anything changed? Do I need to adapt or modify anything? Um, So I take care of that in kind of that last 30 minutes. Um, So I don't want to, you know, take up too much more time. But day four is actually the most important day of the 24-hour period. So that's from 5 p.m. till 9 p.m. So, you know, we all have different requirements based on what it is that we do to earn a living or what we're paid for to, to earn a living. Um, but, you know, essentially day four is where you start winding that day down. You do that programmatically. It's a process. It's a, a set of habits as well. Um, you, in, in the beginning um, of that, you know, around five o'clock, you identify what it is that you're going to eat, when you're going to eat it, how much of it you're going to eat. The same thing with hydration, because it's all about preparation for day five and six, which are your eight hours of sleep. Because if you're not paying absolute, uh, you know, intentional, you know, um, mindfulness to day four, then day five and six are going to be miserable. Right. And that's what so many of my clients encounter. Well, I, I can't sleep. That's why I'm agitated. I, I can't do this. I can't do that because they're not getting good, restful sleep. And it's because they're not preparing to get that sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go to bed at midnight, but they didn't eat dinner until 11 o'clock. And then they expect to, to get some sleep doesn't happen Um, but then there's um you know a set of of processes that i work with them on to develop and that is leading up till that 9 p.m and again i won't go into all the details but that's where you know when do you shut down all of the electronics so that your mind has a chance to basically settle down into a peacefulness and then you know again potentially some meditation one of the things that that I found to be very powerful, even with my CEOs, who is like, I'm not going to do that crap, but they, <laughs> um, and that is to literally have a journal that they write in. Yeah. And what are the three things that they're most grateful for, you know, that evening? Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, write about what you're most excited about the next day. And so that's what your subconscious then marinates on. So when 
your eyes wake up, as you said, <laughs> then that is the first thing on the front of mind is that thing you're most excited about. That doesn't mean there won't be challenges and things that you know about that, that are not you know, possibly going to be something you would choose to do, but you know they have to be done. But by having that one thing that you're excited about doing kind of puts everything else in a different perspective and allows you to have a much more positive mindset to start the day. And, you know, it's got, you've, you know, probably read the book about make your bed. And uh, so it's the same type of concept. When you start off with something positive, then that's more how your day tends to go. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, I mean, <clears throat> it's like you're saying, Jim, it's like, you know, set, set the intentions, be, be, have a formula of what it is that the, that success means to you and formulating that and breaking your day down into success components, success pods, so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming so that you also don't let it get away from you, which I love, you know, it's, we gotta have, we have to take responsibility and ownership in the, in the, in the realm of what it is that we're doing. It blows my mind that so many people sit there and say, I just don't know what happens. I don't know where time goes. I'm like, well, here's what you could do. You could take one of these things, it's a pad of paper, and you could just write down in 15 minute increments how you spend your time. Do that for three or four days, do that for a couple of weeks if you're feeling auspicious. And guess what? When you look down, you'll figure out where you fucking spend your time. Exactly. God blows my mind. Don't get me fired up. Your your calming voice, Jim, has got me like, I'm like, oh, it's so nice. It's all calm. <laughs> the guy I had on last week, Princeton Clark, we were both like, so it was crazy. Right. I was thinking about my viewers right now and my listeners like going, wow, that is such a, that is such a trip. So we got uh, Freddie Perez in the house saying, Jim is the man. Thank you guys also be it for being here. Pamela is here. Robert's here. Ray is here. What's up, Ray? Misfits for life. Angels in the house. Good evening. Angel, how are you? Uh, sending you love and light, sending you lots of healing prayers. Um, you know, and speaking about healing and speaking about all of this, Jim, I can, you know, I told you originally why I, I structured the, the discussion this way, because in getting into mindset and getting into our excuses and getting into, you know, really one of my questions is going to be for you, like, what is our best? But thinking about all that encapsulated in the fact of what it is you're also involved with is the Adaptive Training Foundation, the ATF. And that's what I really wanted to kind of set the, the and let, let it simmer for everybody who's watching and listening is the fact what we're talking about before this are, you know, totally able-bodied people who are just like you and I, who are just go through our day as quote unquote normal people. But let's kind of dig into that and, um, and talk a little bit about what the Adaptive Training Foundation is. And then I have a brief video that I'm going to give um, to share with you guys so you guys can kind of see what it's about. But talk to us a little bit about that and how what we've been talking about applies here as well, even exponentially. Sure. Well, um, as with most of us, I mean, we, we all have had significant challenges in life um, that we've, we've overcome in most cases. And Christian and I have, you know, talked about our childhoods and, and those kinds of things. But what I never realized uh, was that we're literally one heartbeat away from truly life-changing traumatic events. Um, and so kind of having that put in my face about six years ago, having met a gentleman by the name of David Rivora, who played in the NFL for five years, um, it was, it, I mean, to this day, I was sharing with a couple of different people today, um, about what goes on at ATF, which I'm going to dive into here, but <clears throat> recognizing how life can change in one heartbeat and where you, you know, are basically left with a completely different 
mindset about life and oftentimes significantly struggle with that mentally and emotionally as well as the physical aspects it's just truly mind-boggling and unfortunately enough people just haven't been faced with something like that um, to work through it and so anyway um, through a, um, a good friend of mine um, Chad Hennings who uh, played for the Dallas Cowboys uh, he uh, graduated from the Naval Academy and, and uh, flew in, in Desert Storm back in the day um, I, I, he introduced me to this gentleman by the name of David Rapora who's literally young enough to be my son he's 34 years old and uh, we just hit it off from the very beginning and so he was telling me that he had started um, at kind of an adjunct to a gym that he had here in Dallas training professional athletes um, in various sports, various aspects. Um, and he said, you know, why don't, you, why don't you come check it out? And so at that time, it was in a temporary facility uh, that was owned by another common friend of ours. And we didn't know each other or we didn't know we knew this gentleman who's a former Navy SEAL, actually. Oh, wow. um, so we, he loaned David the space, but what happened was this gentleman, um, his name is Clint Bruce, um, had an event that uh, I had been invited to, but wasn't able to make it for some reason. And David was there and he sees a gentleman sitting across the way with no arms and no legs. And David was a linebacker. <clears throat> uh, so he's about 6'3", you know, 250, just massive hulk of a young man. He goes up to this guy and he says, so uh, what are you doing to get in shape? And the gentleman said, I ain't got no arms or legs. Don't mean to offend you, but how in the hell would I do that? And David said, come to my gym and we'll figure it out. Yes. And uh, so this gentleman's name was Travis Mills. Um, <clears throat> He uh, lives in Maine. He's married, has a couple of kids, but he's only uh, one of a handful of living quad amputees. And now he has his own foundation uh, where he brings veterans up to Maine and, and you know teaches them all kinds of life skills and personal development and all the things you and I geek out over um, <clears throat> and travels around the world speaking as well. So... Um, Anyway, more veterans found out about what David was doing with Travis. So to cut to the chase a little bit, um, David basically gave up his for-profit gym where he was training athletes, started the nonprofit foundation that's known as Adaptive Training Foundation, and um, put together nine-week classes uh, where, uh, you know, the athletes, as we call them, come in and uh, we've trained people over the course of time. Many of what we call the alumni athletes have become trainers. Um, but it's, it's like a lab because we, we learn new things every day. Yeah, because, uh, you know, basically every situation, every person is different. Um, you know, there are some like Travis who lost all four limbs. There are some who maybe only lost an arm. There are others who have spinal cord injuries, uh, and these aren't just from war, 
uh, we, we also take civilians now as well. People who have had strokes, who uh, have MS, who have Parkinson's, William wow. uh, Bray, um, you name any physical challenge. We don't call them disabilities. They're just differently abled. Um, and what happens is when they come into our facility and we show them what they're physically capable of, capable of doing, that traditional medicine has told them they would never be able to do, or they never even went there because of the fear that they had in their own mind. Mm -hmm. When they see what they're capable of doing, it completely changes their mindset. And, and it's a challenge because, you know, if you think about it, and again, I didn't realize it until, you know, I became involved. And that is that these are significant emotional traumas, whether it's been a stroke or whether, you know, I uh, walked on an IED and lost both of my legs over in Afghanistan or whatever. It's an emotional trauma because it is that one heartbeat that could have changed my history, right? <clears throat> and so to be able to mentally and emotionally overcome that, and many, many of our athletes, you know, have come to us and they have addictions, everything from heroin and meth to alcohol. Um, they sleep with a pistol on their pillow because they don't know if they'll make it through the night. Um, you know, it's just incredibly, incredibly uh, emotional from that standpoint. But you, you start to see some of those things fall away. And, and we have clinical, um, you know, uh, help for them in regard to uh, what we call PTS. It's not PTSD because it's, it's um, no longer a disorder because it is so prevalent. And most people don't recognize that. They tend to associate it with veterans. Right. But now that, you know, I've been involved for six years, I have yet to meet another human being that doesn't have some degree of PTS based on trauma in their life. And um, so the sad thing is most people never recognize that. The blessing for these people is it's put right in their lap and they have to deal with it and they learn to manage it. Again, you don't ever overcome it, but you learn to manage it and put it in its place once again. Um, so we, we have a uh, 18,000 square foot gym in Carrollton, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas for those who may not know. And uh, we've trained close to 250 athletes, as we call them once again, who um, now have the physical, mental, and life skills to um, have, you know, to rejoin their families in some cases. They were physically there, but they weren't there. They were hollow, you know, sacks of skin, basically. Right. And, and it's what they do. It's not what we do as an organization. It's what they do by seeing what they're truly capable of. We do spend a lot of time teaching them mindfulness and meditation, uh, which was a bit of a challenge, <clears throat> particularly for, you know, some of the, um, I'll just call it more rugged uh, special forces. <laughs> I can only imagine that, that conversation. You want to be the fuck, what, what? <laughs> right. Well, then you get them like, I, lotus I, position, I, I, and they're like, oh. 
yeah. Well, and, and so I remember, you know, this happening, it was about three years ago when we introduced it. And, um, you know, they were all saying, I'm not doing that California woo-woo crap. So no offense to California, but anyway, that was what I was told. <laughs> and um, I said, so wait a minute, you're a Navy SEAL, right? Yeah. Um, so were you not issued a firearm at some point in your training? Well, sure. And uh, so what'd you do with that firearm? Well, we were trained how to use it. Well, walk me through that process. Well, you know, typically in training, you just go to the range, um, you'd identify a target, you draw on the target, you would um, take a few deep breaths, and on that last breath that you would hold, you would pull the trigger. I said, that's meditation. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> okay, I can do that. And so that's what really opened the door for, for those people. Yeah, well, let's, so let's, let's, I was going to say, let's paint a picture for these, uh, for these, uh, viewers out here. Um, uh, I'm going to share the screen here for a second. Um, I just went to YouTube and got this. So, uh, I watched it and I was like, wow, this is really cool. So just to give you guys out there uh, an idea of what it is that Jim and I are talking about. I mean, Jim, obviously you could talk to us about, about this afterwards, but, uh, I really just want to, um, make sure that you guys get a picture of what it is that we're, that we are, um, talking about here. So I'm just going to go ahead and press play. Hopefully you guys will be able to hear it. Um, do it all again. again. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah. yeah. And a heartbeat. heartbeat. So, so in, in uh, August, August 23rd, 2011, 2011 uh, Andrew Andrew Afghanistan, Afghanistan, I got blown up. That bomb. You know, you don't, you don't think, think it happened, happened at first because it's so fast, fast and everything is just violently thrown. But then you're like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> no. no. Like, like, you're, you're kind of arguing. You're just like, no, no, they didn't do it. Oh, oh, I, yeah. I put, put the turn on. on. That, that was, was really weird because you feel your bone like move. And that's that's <laughs> really strange. strange. Uh, we all kept, kept checking, checking on each other, other just waiting, you know. Hey, we're, we're fucked, fucked up, up. I'm good. Yes. You know, and uh, my platoon, badasses do their job very well. Very well. It was, uh, not hard to be with those guys. Yeah. The Adaptive Training Foundation is a cost-free adaptive physical training program where we empower people from community and exercise. We take veterans and civilians who experience trauma, losses, and small injury. And we train them and really redefine their limits and make that possible. When you get injured, you go. So, um, yeah. That's that's just a sample of of what that's about. Talk to us about that, you know, Jim. I mean, I mean, considering what we were talking about before we went into the adaptive training foundation mindset. I mean, these guys have gone from, like you said, one heartbeat and then boom. Where do they find the new strength, the new courage? Because it was there before, right? It was it was there before, um, but it's. It comes from what um, most people refer to as community. We actually call it tribe, um, and it's it's unique. It's it's not team. Team changes. Um, you know, you can you can um, you know pick your family. You can't pick your relatives. But uh, but the point is, with tribe, there is no one greater than the tribe, and no one gets left behind. 
So that's really the, the mindset. And so once, once they find that, <clears throat> it becomes incredibly cohesive, incredibly powerful. And we build in some things to um, help make that happen. Um, twice during each nine-week class that we hold, we have what we call a root meeting, uh, where it's basically a mandatory lock-in for the athletes in that class during an evening along with our staff, which is relatively small, about six people. And um, we, we put, put it out there on the table. Uh, what is the one thing you absolutely do not want to talk about tonight? That's what we're going to talk about. And <laughs> I love it. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's just very raw, very, very emotional, but it's, it's becoming vulnerable enough almost by force at first um, that allows people to recognize, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not on this ship alone. I thought I was, but I'm not. And so I looked to my right, I looked to my left, and these two have encountered very similar circumstances and have developed a very similar mindset. But we're here together, we're joined arm in arm. And uh, so it, it's that tribe mentality that is the most powerful at all, of all. And so what that does is then when I'm working out, um, and I achieve a PR and I go ring this big brass bell that we have. I mean, it's just, you know, like being at a, at a football game. Um, everybody cheers for each other. Everybody challenges each other. And some of those challenges are not so fun sometimes. I mean, even that, you know, gets raw, but it's absolute accountability. And uh, so just all of the power that comes with those things. Um, and just to share with you, the guy that was on, on the one wheel, his name is Derek. He's from San Antonio. And he uh, was one of three people that were blown up in that Humvee. And um, <clears throat> so one of the guys lost both legs. All three of them actually have come through class. Um, and one of them, um, was a person that you would never expect for this to happen to just always the jokester you know always cracking up giving people a hard time and so on and so forth and it was three years ago in january um, he stepped out of the shower one morning and pulled his pistol and took his life um, so but with derek when <clears throat> when we first when he first came to see us the PTS was so severe, it's like, do not touch me. I will not talk to you. You don't talk to me. Um, just a, this incredible barrier. Uh, but over time, <clears throat> you know, he started to recognize um, that, that people were there to be supportive. And um, it, it's all, you know, come full circle to where he, I mean, every time he sees me, he comes up and gives me this giant sweaty bear hug. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to be great friends. He's also a DJ. So whenever we have events at the gym, um, you know, he's, he's spinning the, spinning the tunes and, and, um, he's learned to bow hunt. He travels all over the country bow hunting now. Um, and the most important thing is 
one of our very early, in fact, I think the earliest civilian athlete, a woman named Vanessa, who at 16 was in a car accident, shattered her spine. Um, They met and they're actually getting married this month. No way. Hell yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, story after story after story. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you can watch the videos. I can talk about it, you know, obviously for days. But, you know, until you walk through the doors of that lab, uh, that gym, um, it's indescribable, the, just the energy and the experience. And we always tell people, once you walk through those doors, you've joined the tribe and you'll never leave. Absolutely. And I'm putting, not just for everybody who's listening, I'm actually putting the uh, website up there. It is www.adaptivetrainingfoundation.org. Um, go check it out. It's a beautiful website. It's got a 360 degree view of the gym. You can see everything that's going on. You can see the stories. It's absolutely phenomenal, Jim. And, and, and when I think about tying the two different kind of conversations that we've had about, you know, people dealing and struggling with COVID, then you do the whole complete, you know, other end of the spectrum of, you know, having your legs blown off. How do we bridge that? How do we bridge that for the people that are watching and listening to this to be able to find that inner strength. I've, I've, I'm on a mission to figure out what my best is and try to define what our best is. And how do we, how do we know, how do we get into that deeper inner warrior to bring that out now? So we don't have to wait until it's, it's, it's like, you know, a heartbeat too late, like you're mentioning. Yeah. Well, so, so one thing just to backtrack a little bit, I wanted everybody to be aware, none of these athletes have ever paid a penny to be a part of the program. It's uh, completely privately funded by individuals, by corporate uh, donorship that we get. And, you know, that's one thing with COVID. You can imagine um, virtually all donations dried up this last year. So, you know, it's, it's been quite a challenge, but we've, we've been fortunate in that we've had some, you know, major donors and, um, you know, a lot of them have, have stuck with us. So, uh, because they see the benefit. And, you know, like I said, you know, there have been in the neighborhood of about 250 that have come through the program. One of the things that COVID forced us to do was, again, to, you know, be curious about how we could do things differently. So we've developed a new business model that uh, essentially will be a master class so that as a um, alumni athlete, if you want to kind of build your own tribe, if you're from you know LA, let's say, and you've come through class, then we prep you with all the materials to do your own master class based on that structure, and you know you can be compensated if you choose to be, um, but that just basically you know uh, extrapolates out the opportunity for people to become aware and be able to engage with what it is that we do. So, um, you know, to, to your question, I I think as much as anything, it's, um, looking for an opportunity to serve, uh, you know, that's what I've encountered, not only for myself, but, um, you know, for so many other people and even my clients, you know, when they kind of take on this poor pitiful me attitude, this victim attitude, um, one of the things that I almost forced them to do is to go out and volunteer for something. Mm-hmm. And it just quickly changes your mindset and you and you do adapt because you realize 
that there truly are people who are much less fortunate than you are or than I am. And what they have overcome, what they adapt to is, is just incredible. And so therefore it's such an inspiration um, that, you know, I think that's the main thing. So, you know, in, unless you, you know, suffer that, that pain yourself, um, my, my recommendation, my suggestion is to go out and get involved in an organization that is providing support, um, to, you know, creating value for those um, who are challenged in some way. And, um, you know, once you do that, I think, again, based on my experience, people start to gain traction. <clears throat> they want to, you know, they want to do more of that and they go back and get more. Um, and, and then they start to find, <clears throat> excuse me, let me take a drink. Go for it. Is that vodka? I hope so. I wish. <clears throat> I wish. Um, but, you know, they look at their own lives then. And why am I, like we were talking about earlier, why am I wasting these hours in my day um, when I've lied to myself all this time that I don't have time to go volunteer? Well, you know, when you can provide the perspective that there are hours in the day and you get your toe in the water to see how you can be of service to another human being and literally change, even if it's only one life, that it makes your life so much more fulfilling. And, you know, one of the things uh, or words that you mentioned earlier <clears throat> is success. And one of the things that I, that I, you know, work with my clients on, forget about success. Success is like happiness. It's an event. So we, we can't be successful. We can't be happy 100% of the time but we can be fulfilled. We can feel fulfilled 100% of the time mm -hmm. because fulfillment is about the journey. And on that journey, we're gonna encounter, you know, peaks and valleys and challenges and, um, you know, times of, of joy and euphoria, but it's all of that put together that makes life worth, worthwhile. And that's why we're all here. Mm -hmm. It puts the bow on it. It honestly does. I mean, at the end of the day, I love what you said, Jim. I was just telling somebody that today. I said, you know what? One of the greatest gifts that I got when I got into coaching was not doing it for money, but for doing it for the realization that, of course, I was helping people. But that very that very aspect, Jim, was my instruction to them was I call it paid forward coaching. So I would send them out to go do three nice things for somebody else, complete strangers, and come back and tell me about it as their way of paying me for the coaching. And I quickly realized that it wasn't necessarily my coaching that was was the big part of it. It was the fact, like you just said, they went out and they 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 fed the homeless, or they went and you know sang songs at the old folks' home, and and realized you know time is innocent. They went and delivered stuffed animals to the the kids at the cancer ward at St. Joe, uh, or St. Jude. Um, you know, then they come back and like. Yeah, I'm bitching because, you know, I'm not losing weight or I'm bitching because my finances are kind of screwed up or I'm bitching because, you know, I've got this problem with these coworkers at work. And it's just it's phenomenal because, again, it really is about that perspective shift. And and what we're talking about, Jim, is we're talking about people just shifting just a little bit, just shift a little bit. You know, I'm not asking you to change your complete belief system about, you know, who you vote for politics, but just, hey, can I have a different perspective? Can I seek first to understand in this situation so that I'm not frustrated? But I love how you say that, because when you go give and you go serve,
it's amazing the rewards and the and the and the flow of love that comes back into you that almost makes the issues and the problems seem almost insignificant. I mean, not compared to what these guys are going through, not in a, not in the slightest respect. Um, but you know, being able to being able to lay your head on your pillow at night and say, you know what, it's really not that bad, and tomorrow's a brand new day. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just <clears throat> share one more story. It was kind of a very quick snapshot, but I don't know if everybody caught the gentleman that was doing the push-ups that had no legs uh, yeah. in the video that you showed. But um, anyway, uh, David was late getting home one night from his for-profit gym when that was still going. And uh, his wife was upset with him for being late. They've got two little kids and he's approaching a red light. Um, so he decides to do something completely illegal, cuts through a Starbucks parking lot to avoid the red light. And as he's going through the parking lot, uh, he sees this guy in a wheelchair rolling across with no legs. And so all of a sudden he just gets hit right here with this feeling. Um, he said it was a God moment that right. stop your car and go talk to that guy. And so it's like, really now? And he did. <clears throat> so David, again, being, you know, this linebacker goes running up to this gentleman whose name is Brian Aft. And Brian thinks he's going to get mugged because right. a giant is running at him. And David's just trying to say, hey, my name's David Vibora. Um, you know, what, what are you doing to get in shape and that kind of thing? And uh, so um, anyway, Brian ended up coming to the gym. Uh, but what happened was that uh, members of the, the uh, employees in, in the Starbucks kind of observed what was going on. Long story short, it ended up getting all the way up to the, ch the chain to Howard Schultz. No and, way. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Howard has, has he and his uh, wife's private foundation have become great friends of ATF over the years. And, um, but it's just, you know, if, if David hadn't stopped, then Brian Aft, quite literally because of where he was at in his head at the time, would probably not be alive today. Um, but it was also, you know, then the follow-on engagement by uh, an organization like Starbucks. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. People can get a hold of you at jimgardnerlive.com, jimgardnerlive.com. Go check them out. Social media at jimgardnerlive, at jimgardnerlive. Jim, thank you so much. I know it's late there in Texas. I know you've been dealing with the uh, mad hay fever and all the different things you got going on. So thank you for bringing your A game tonight. And thank you for sharing your heart and your soul and your brilliance and your intellect with me. Once again, it's been way too long since we've had this conversation and been able to talk. Um, I value you. I respect you. I appreciate you, the, the work that you're doing, and especially in this community and what you do overall in making the world a better place. I thank you. I love you, brother. I'm going to stick you backstage for in the green room for a second. Any final words for our audience before I do that? And then I'll catch up with you in the green room afterwards. Yeah, just uh, go out <clears throat> and be a warrior and serve. That's the, the bottom line. It'll, you'll find it. It'll change your life. And Chris, it was such an honor. It was a lot of fun as we knew it would be. I appreciate you so much, brother. And uh, I just thank you. And, um, you know, everybody keep watching Chris and his, his uh, amazing guests and information that he puts out there on this podcast. 
Thank you, brother. Hey, I'm going to put you backstage and uh, just for a second, then I'm going to end the show and then we'll talk up a little bit more. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, 59 minutes and 34 seconds. See, I did it under an hour. I'm not going to be done in an under hour, but that's what's going on. That's what's going on. Uh, Angel says, uh, was a way laid back evening. Christopher Roush, nice to see you and Jim. Have a good night. Warrior. Yes, you are a warrior. Um, and we'll keep you in our thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of different than last week, right? We had uh, Princeton, Clark, Princeton Clark on last week with Evolve Mastery. And, and me and him were just like, Brrr. I mean, I even had to get off the, the, the interview and like go, go chill out. But thank you guys all for being here. Uh, Pamela says, you know, a room full of rock stars to be sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Pamela's actually my co-host on my other show called Rainbows and Real Talk. Um, so yes, thank you for being here. Thank you guys all for being here. Thank you, Jim, for being here. Um, Christopher says, I'm late as usual. Well, guess what, Christopher? You can go back and watch the beginning because this is a phenomenal show. You got to watch it because it's full of inspiration. It's full of tenacity, which I know you need and you're going through. I hope you're doing well, brother. I hope you're uh, you're feeling better and uh, you got that stuff taken, out, taken under control. But so overall, the message tonight really is about that tenacity, about that inner drive, about looking at your life, not as a victim, but as a victor and looking at opportunities and challenges that come your way as a way of saying, what can I do to overcome this? How can I, how can I find my inner strength? How can I kick my comfort zone to the curb and say, fuck that? I'm not going to do that anymore and find the resiliency, find the strength to be able to look ourselves and identify the fact that the solutions are within us. The solutions are within our capacity to go out there and explore. We have Google, we have YouTube, we have people, we have connections. There are things that you can do right now for whatever situation you're in that you're struggling with. You can go find the answer. You can go start applying opportunities to, to change that trajectory on what it is that you're doing. Change the results, change the outcomes by changing what it is that you're focusing on doing today. If you feel like you have a limited capacity, if you feel like that that's too much work, if you feel like you can't do that, then guess what your results are going to be, right? You have to believe. What does my little gig say right there? It says, believe. It says, believe you have to believe you have to believe that the opportunities are presented in front of you that, that you can handle. You know, I've heard it said before, Jim said it a little bit, you know, God doesn't give us what we can't handle. And sometimes God thinks I'm fucking crazy, you know, that I can handle all these different things. But the truth of the fact is, yes, we can. And once you have that confidence, once you have that unstoppable brilliance to be able to realize that whatever is going to be laid in your path, that you're going to figure it out and you're going to overcome it. And better yet, you're going to go back and help other people who have that same situation. Then it gives everything that we go through in life meaning. It gives it purpose. It gives it principle. It gives us an opportunity to step outside of ourselves and not look at life as, oh my God, all these things are happening you know, to me. This is an opportunity for me to go out there and make the world a better place for who it is and what I do. So that perspective and that opportunity lies with each and every one of you. You can get off this call and feel inspired and motivated and go on about the rest of your evening or go about the rest of your day, depending on what time you're watching this. But I really invite you to sit there and take a few moments, take one of these beautiful things. It's technology. It's technology. It's a, it's a yellow pad. Take that and take this instrument and then write down some ideas that you could start doing. Like Jim said, don't try to eat the elephant all at once. Go one bite at a time. Go one opportunity at a time. Start your day out. That's one thing that I really want to support what Jim says is if you don't have a routine, if you don't have a structure, if you're waking up and looking at your cell phone and looking at the news and looking at your emails and looking at social media and doing the comparison check to see where you're at versus where everybody else is at in the world, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find a shitty day. You wake up and you keep your eyes closed. You don't wake your eyes up yet. You keep your eyes closed and you set what your intentions are. You set what you're grateful for. You get... Um, See, I'm a man of my word. You get journals like this. If you're if you're a writing person, this is a beautiful journal. On the one side of the page, you can sit there and write what you're grateful for. And on the other side of the page, you can write what you're excited for, like Jim said. Or you could write, for me, I do my gratitudes on one side and I do my intentions on the other side. 
So ladies and gentlemen, the opportunities are there. Don't tell me you don't, you can't afford it. Don't tell me you don't have time. Don't tell me you don't know how. Don't give me any of your fucking excuses. Just go out there and do it. I'm your no excuses coach. I love you guys. Next week, we got another brilliant show. And by the way, um, speaking of healing humanity, one more thing I would just want to share with you guys. What's up, Robert? Um, is please, please, please. Uh, one of the foundations that I'm really involved with right now as on the board of directors um, is helphealhumanity.org. And we just love for you guys as well, just to go over and take a look at the website, consider sponsoring a child, consider sponsoring whatever it is you can do, because this is a worldwide organization that we are aimed at, you know, enforcing the fact that we want to make sure that we can heal humanity, whether it's in Haiti, whether it's in Spain, whether it's in Cambodia, or whether it's here in the United States, which is something I'm very passionate about as well. So be sure to go over there and check that out and give us a give us a give us a hand up or a handout or whatever it is that you could possibly do to help what it is that we are uh, going for. So that's my little my little request of you guys for the patronage here of being on the show. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here and spending your Tuesday nights with us. We love you and we will see you next time here on the Ron and Scripted Show. I love you guys. Stay kick ass.